Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Lunatics Radio Hour. I'm very, very excited today. We have two very special friends, my childhood and adult friend, Brianna, and her loving boyfriend, Nick. Hi. Hello, everyone. And of course, as always, Alan is also here. Hello. Today, we are going to talk horror. We're going to talk paranormal experiences, and we're going to read two stories for you. One is a story, and one is a script that we're all going to act out together. Very exciting. Do you guys have any paranormal experiences from your life? Actually, I do. <laughs> That's oh. what I was hoping you would say. Yeah. Great. What, what, tell us. Um, kind of a weird story. It took place in Norwich. Mm-hmm. Um, Norwich, Connecticut. Yep, Norwich, Connecticut. And um, it has to do with my uncle. He uh, had a house, and he was renting it out. And basically what happened was he started a family, and once he started having kids... The person who was renting the house? No, my uncle. Oh. Um, once they started having kids, weird, weird stuff started happening. Um, I remember this. There was like there was like levitating objects, wasn't there? Um, no, I don't. I don't remember that part. But they were actually like interviewed by the History Channel and like on TV about it. They had like a priest come and he like came to like bless the house because mm-hmm. his new wife at the time was super superstitious. Yeah, and so. She was, like, freaking out that weird stuff was starting to happen. Do you remember what the stuff was? Yeah, it was all in one particular room, which was their first child. Um, his name was Junior. He would, like, get waken up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Like, like dead to sleep, and then, like, as if he was, like, shaken awake. Right. And so my aunt, like, was freaking out. She's like, we have to move out of here. She had just immigrated to this country, so it yeah. was, like, really weird. Basically, what happened was, like, weird things, like, kids' toys would turn on. And yeah. Um, when they would walk into a room, there would be like a super cold draft. Mm-hmm. So they called the family priest and he came in. It was super eerie. He um, said that there's something wrong. He would try to bless the house, but he didn't know if it would work. Mm-hmm. And um, somehow someone talked to somebody and it got wind of this History Channel show and this woman who mm-hmm. was like, I'm a psychic. I'm going to come and see what's going on. It's mm-hmm. very dramatic if you watch the show. It's on YouTube. Oh, great. We're going to watch it. It's really funny because he's, like, super young. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird because um, I was really young. I must have been, like, I don't know, like, 12 or 13. I was, like, me- this is probably before we even met. Right. And um, so she came, and she, like, walked into the house, and she, like, stood in, like, the living room area and was like, oh, my God. And my aunt was like, oh my god what's going on like started freaking out and she was like there's a portal here and my uncle's like what does that mean (laughs) and my aunt like i said is like super superstitious and she's like we have to call like the family back home we need to bless this house like i don't trust these americans like Mm -hmm. she's like super she's only had been here maybe like a year and a half at this point yeah and um we need to move back to argentina and the woman continued and was like there's a portal here and if you go through it um, as a spirit, you'll go somewhere else, mm-hmm. something along those lines. And so it's like the poltergeist. Yeah, kind of. It was like very, I don't know, kind of like vague. And so yeah. like, of course my uncle was like, um, this is crap. Like yeah. <laughs> it's not real. I don't believe this. Um, he's like, there's just gotta be something like weird with the kid's room or whatever. So they go to, um, the kid's room. And she's, like, looking around, and she's, like, touching things. And mm-hmm. it's, like, a baby's room, so there's, like, toys to play with texturally. Stuff starts moving. Like, the um, <coughs> the 
what is it called? The thing that hangs above the crib? Like a mobile. mobile. Yeah, a mobile. And it starts to move the opposite direction of the fan or something. Oh, wow. And they're like, oh, it's just moving. And then my aunt, like, yells. And she's like, no, it's going the wrong direction because the fan was, like, facing it. And so we're like, okay, that's kind of weird. And then the woman who came, I'm pretty sure she was just like, this was his room. Mm-hmm. Like, they're talking about, like, a specific person. And so she then went into, like... um I think she's like a little kid yeah. had died in this room. Yeah. And he had died of like something preventable today. I don't know if it was like smallpox or tuberculosis right. or something. And he died in this room and he's upset that like there's a little kid in here that has all these toys mm-hmm. and like he died before he got a chance to like experience childhood or something. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and so um, she just like explained this whole like story about how he died really young and he just wants to befriend the baby my uncle was like at some point something happened where he was like this is real essentially like they were talking about this little boy and there was like a huge backstory to it and she was like it's okay like the woman who came was like it's okay you can like be nice like we're we're welcoming you or something Mm -hmm. like that like he this spirit was like agitated or upset or whatever apparently she left and like they did some like scenes outside the house that's what i remember and and so the family stayed in the house like they got the spirit to leave or did they end up leaving (laughs) no my aunt was like we gotta get the hell out of dodge like (laughs) i'm totally out like i don't want to be here so my uncle was like okay and they like went and bought a house in like lebanon or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) like backcountry farm area just to get the hell away from the house and they like never went back wow (laughs) yeah so that's very wild yeah Mm. So, yeah, it's on like YouTube or something. I think we found it one time. And I remember, like, all my baby cousins were like, oh, my God, you look so young, Uncle Ruben, and blah, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But, That's fun. Yeah. She's, like, terrified in the video. My now ex-aunt, she's just, like, <gasps> yeah, like in the background, like, totally terrified. But so yeah. I don't know if I believe necessarily. Interesting. Yeah. Nick, do you have any stories? Um, so, so I would share, I, I come from a <clears throat> definitely a very skeptical background. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm... A man of science. Uh-huh. Um, I have uh, a couple degrees in things like psychology, but then also in business. And I would say um, came from like a culturally Christian type of family, but Kinda. not re- yeah, not really a lot of ritual or tradition there. So I'd say um, as far back as I can remember, really had no spiritual or higher power types of beliefs or views. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm much more interested in the human psyche component of belief i think that we can learn a lot and have i have learned a lot from listening to other people tell me about their experiences not so much because i'm necessarily convinced um more so because uh, i I just find it fascinating Mm -hmm. um so like brianna's story there i think i can't help but approach the world in a sort of scientific kind of way Mm -hmm. Um, but i'm mostly intrigued by so how does the family respond um, mm-hmm. what, what things going on there can tell you about other parts of it. So I wouldn't call myself a superstitious or, um, someone who's much of a believer in the paranormal, but mm-hmm. I find a lot of value in it in terms of storytelling, um, archetypes, uh, and just human psychology in general. For sure. Very cool. Yeah. We have a lot of really intense conversations about religion and belief and mm-hmm. even like the idea like what is a soul he's mm-hmm. definitely challenged me in yeah. shifting perspective 
for sure. What do you do? You have like a quick definition on how you look at what a soul is? Um, I, I would actually say um, I don't know because most people I talk to have a different definition of what a soul is. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I come from what might be called uh, an agnostic standpoint that um, I have no reason so far um, to be convinced of any data or perspective from a either scientific or even a personal view. So I, I think people share their anecdotal stories. Um, I just haven't had one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've never had um, the experience that some people describe. And I would say that apart from that, um, I try to learn um, the most recent scientific examples of you know, mind-body connection, um, theories about how um, consciousness um, evolved uh, or yeah. or started. But um, as for now, I think I, I don't have a definition for the soul. So I usually ask other people I talk to, like, what does that term mean for you? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. It would be fun to, like, take you to a haunted hotel and, you know, and mm-hmm. see see what happens. That would be a fun podcast episode. We did do a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Like like a know. haunted house, like a Halloween like thing. Yeah. Um, and my impression of how he would respond was different. Mm-hmm. Like I was kind of surprised. Um, it was super long. It was like an hour. Right? Oh, yeah. It was like super long. And I've done them before and I'm like, oh, I don't really like jump scares. I actually respond like more violently. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. don't yeah. come at me and like punch somebody. Yeah. Um. But this time I stayed like calm as a cucumber, except for when people kept like pushing behind us and then I was just getting mad. Mm. But, but, but I, I'm fascinated by the idea again of like what scares me. So regardless of mm-hmm. a, any supernatural belief, um, there are tons of things that, that scare me. Um, none of them really are supernatural other than I think some innate things like the dark. I think even as, mm-hmm. as an adult, right? I mean, the dark can still be scary, but I think it's scary. It's terrifying. And, yeah, but it's scary in a way that... Um, for me, it has nothing to do with something from uh, another dimension or another realm. Just yeah, purely. That, that's not supernatural. That's primordial. Right, right. Um, so, so when people, um, sometimes I'll see people share memes that say things like, um, uh, it's not werewolves or vampires that I'm necessarily afraid of. It's what people can do to other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think I traditionally didn't like horror or mm-hmm. like scary movies because my, like my idea of someone can think of that and do that to another person that's terrifying like we live in a scary enough world why would we want to watch something scary Mm -hmm. and like you coming through and like doing this podcast and like Mm -hmm. really coming forth with your passion about horror has like shifted that perspective for me like an avid like oh abby i'm gonna like support you so much i love your creativity and um then i started like dabbling in like you know, things that I normally wouldn't in the sense that like started reading some stuff or listening to your podcast. Like it's not up my alley Mm -hmm. normally, but like it's definitely exposed me to a different perspective and I love it. And I will say too, like, I think we, um, like when I write things that are, you know, stories or scripts or whatever, Mm -hmm. like, I don't think they're, I think very rarely are they very rarely are they true horror Mm -hmm. for the most part. They're like comedy, but like based on something dark or like, a dance thing or you know what I mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. but because I think it's hard to do horror in a way that's not like incredibly cheesy especially without like a budget mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. true and it's harder for something to hit if that's like the only thing that it's writing on is that yeah. it's scary and and call me a cliche and sophomoric but I think the thing that I've read that probably scared me the most was Frankenstein 
I think I also think about it in terms of a world where there isn't CGI or video feeds. I think it must have been tremendously scary to think about um, things that hadn't been discovered yet or fully understood. And to me, that's why I think the horror genre has room for someone like me who is a skeptic um, or who might not necessarily believe in the supernatural. But there is plenty of there are plenty of things to be afraid of. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's a great example because Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is like super psychological. Right. Same with like The Shining, a lot of these things, but especially Frankenstein. I remember when I read it in high school that I like was so excited because I was like, oh, we get to read this mm-hmm. horror book. And then you get to the end and you realize it's it's like all about this guy and how he sees himself and others versus like, you know, himself versus society in the world. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, wait, they tricked me. Like, this isn't really a horror book at all. Mm. Also, uh, Frankenstein specifically wasn't necessarily um, horror off the get-go. Uh, it started as science fiction because mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. they were taking these elements and then just introducing this new science of electricity, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. completely under and like not understood at the time. And just that's what just let the imagination just like go wild. Right. And then, yeah, it devolves into something completely terrifying. But that's also circling back to the human condition mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a great book yeah it was written um do you oh, what's the guy's name the poet oh so her her boyfriend her, um Bi- lord byron lord byron thank yeah. you so the, i don't know if everyone knows but there was like a weekend getaway of all mm-hmm. these writers in geneva I think. Oh, Gen- yeah, yeah 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 and they um they were like, we're going to like, they were, you know, somewhere for a week in like a cabin or whatever. And they were like, we're going to like have all these great poets and writers, like challenge everyone to mm-hmm. write something over this weekend. And like, you know, they all write like their poems or their short, whatever it is. And that weekend, Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. And they were like, oh yeah, Mary, like you can participate. Sure. Like she wasn't a writer. She was like the girlfriend of somebody who was there. And like she wrote Frankenstein. Wow. Pretty badass. Pretty badass. Yeah. Pretty cool. Just, you know, casually whip out a classic. No <laughs> yeah. And they actually made her, I think, you know how it's like, it's kind of like windowed where there's like the main story and then there's like these letters and things at the beginning and end that kind of like window box it. Yep. Mm-hmm. They made her, I think, add that later to make it long enough to like publish as a novel. Mm. But it wasn't the part of the original like length of it. That's mm. interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's a perfect example of, um, how someone I'd say like me could still be interested in stories right. like that. So, um, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. I, I have a insecurity maybe that someone might hear me right off the bat say, I haven't had a supernatural experience or, you know, I'm not a believer and sort of pigeonhole me to say that I'm, I wouldn't be interested, um, in a topic like this, but I, I certainly am. I think right. the storytelling elements, the psychology, it's all, it's all good stuff. Well, I think that segues us very nicely actually, because the first, um, the first script that we're going to team read um, is uh, kind of like rooted in both of the things we're talking about. We, I'm, I'll tease it a little because I don't think it's like a huge reveal ending, but essentially it's like a woman dealing with the loss of a partner in like kind of like the form of a haunting. So I think it's ripe with psychological elements. Definitely pulling at the human emotion too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So this was a script I had written a few years ago and tried desperately to make several times. And for some reason, like the shoots just kept getting delayed. And so it never came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I don't know if it's like I think it's strong enough as a film to make it kind of like as we've evolved on the film side of, of this project. But I think it'll be very fun for us to read and talk about now. Mm, I'm excited. Here are the roles. I'm actually not going to be participating. Nick is going to do the narration. 
Brianna is going to be playing the part of the woman and Alan will be playing the part of the man. Ooh. Sync. Written by Abigail Branker. Narrated by Nick Singarella, Brianna Brito Swain, and Alan Goudan. Interior. Kitchen. Night. A woman is standing at her sink, washing dishes. She is wearing rubber gloves. Her headphones are turned up to the max volume, allowing sound to escape into the kitchen. She is nodding her head to the music. Behind her, there is a framed photograph of a man wearing a navy uniform. A cross is draped over the corner of the frame, and a prayer card is leaning against it. The sink is full of soapy water, and there's a small sailor figurine next to the edge. The bottom of the sink is not visible. Her hands are under the water as she scrubs a cup. The lights flicker in the room behind her. She pauses and takes out one of her headphones. She looks around and walks away from the sink. While she is gone, the sink bubbles up, but settles before she returns. As she passes, she knocks over the photograph. It falls onto the floor. Damn it. She pauses for a moment over the photo on the ground, looking defeated. She returns the photo to the counter and puts the cross and prayer card back in their places. As she turns around, she sees the man from the photo is standing next to the sink, eating out of a Tupperware. She walks over to him. Hurry up and finish that so I can wash it. I'm hurrying. You know it's not good to inhale your food. You know what's really not good for you? Being late for dinner. The man puts his arms around her. She takes the Tupperware from his hands and throws it into the sink. He rests his head on her shoulder and she smiles. She moves to touch his hand on her shoulder, but it disappears. She is smiling as she replaces her headphones and resumes washing dishes. The music is still loud and can be heard. She starts to bob her head again. The photo falls again, this time on its own, and a second later the lights turn completely off. The woman freezes and removes her headphones. They fall to the floor. As the music fades, footsteps can be heard behind her. She gasps and holds her breath. John? Is that you? The footsteps continue. The lights flash back on, and the footsteps stop. I'm going insane. The woman exhales and bends down to pick up her headphones. She also looks under the sink and pulls out a pack of light bulbs. She places them next to the sink and turns the water back on. After a second, she slowly turns around and looks at the photo on the floor. She walks over to it and looks up into the air when she speaks. John, are you fucking with me? I wasn't flirting with the guy at the store, I swear. She replaces the photo again. Either you're finally haunting me, or I'm actually losing it. She walks back to the sink and resumes the dishes. John, maybe be a little bit more Patrick Swayze and a little less Dementor. As the woman reaches for a dish, she knocks in the sailor figurine. The water turns red. She starts to panic. John! She tries to get her hands out of the sink. They seem stuck. After a moment, she stumbles backwards. She looks down at her hands, and there is no blood on them. The water in the sink is not red anymore. She fishes out the sailor figurine easily. She takes off the gloves. As she passes the photograph, she lays it face down on the counter. Cut to black. It's really sad. Like, it makes me super sad. Yeah. He died, and she was kind of just imagining him there in that moment. Yeah. You know, and like it, like to Dick's point, it could be 
either way like it could be that he was actually haunting her or it could be that she's really s- grief stricken and that's yeah. how it's like oh, materialized I think the saddest part is to me that it's not that she's sitting there and missing their wedding day or the best time they had together she's missing like the little bickering and conversations that become like your minute to minute that's yeah. true right. yeah, that's what I think yeah. that's what you'd end up missing more about a person is just their general presence yeah. I'm depressed that's okay we're gonna read another story are you thinking of starting a podcast you should because we did and it's a ton of fun but the one thing I'll say is that it is surprisingly hard to publish a podcast to all of the endpoints thankfully I found Buzzsprout which made it super easy to do and they actually track all the analytics across all the platforms and they provide a really cool and sleek website for us so we can send the link around and link to to the podcast really easily so if this is something you're interested in doing and it's a little overwhelming i would say get a microphone on amazon get a good set of headphones and use Budsprout. with their help the lunatics radio hour is listed on apple Podcasts, spotify google podcasts alexa tune in iheart radio on and on and on so all the big guys If you're interested, you can follow the link in the show notes below. It lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you so we get some affiliate revenue as well. It could help us out. And also, once you become a member of Buzzsprout, you also get a $20 Amazon gift card. And it helps support our show. So if podcasting has been on your list of hopes and dreams, but it seemed daunting, I highly suggest taking a look at Buzzsprout. They make it easy. So click on that link. Thanks, guys. So, Nick, you have some training doing voice acting? (laughs) <laughs> no, but, well, training in that my entire life, uh, and I have a brother who's two years older. We've um, we've just made funny sounds all the time, and I've funny sounds. You got some good voices. Well, I, I do. We it's hard on the, on the spot, here. but I do. You know, a, a shitty Elmo, a shitty Gollum. Uh, Let's see. I want to hear very, the Gollum. Very no, shitty, so very shitty, very shitty meat wad from Aqua Teen like Hunger Force. Okay. I want to hear the Gollum, please. But this this may sound like Gollum, but it is not Gollum. And not not in the not in that order. I know it's really <laughs> weird and pretentious, but like when someone on the spot is like, do it. It it just it makes you like tense up, and then you don't do it right. What so if, what if you don't do it right now, and then like randomly? No, drop no, it no, no. I I can do it. I just don't want to randomly do this. So what you're saying is we can just say any voice at all and you can give us an amazing oh, impression no right definitely away. practiced on the way here i gave oh, him scenes perfect. and i was like go yes. that was the best elmo i've ever heard <laughs> yeah. yeah pretty good right yeah um kids will never forget elmo or uh did you watch aqua teen hunger force at all do you know what i mean of course yeah man that, that, that's carl over there uh carl put it put it down he don't really know what he's talking about oh that's that's great yeah <laughs> just because i'm sitting there bored <laughs> spend a lot of time in the car commuting but um talking to yourself yeah the yeah distance thing is getting to us um, we're just losing our mind <laughs> no but but i said as part of my like hr job i i've been doing um i have to do 100 one hour trainings mm-hmm. um on respect in the workplace like uh, an ethics training. 101 hour training. I have to do 100 sessions of a one hour oh, training. Okay. 101 hour How training. How many have you done so far? Like 20. Um, and I usually do about four to five back to back. So it'll be an hour with a few minutes in between Holy and then an hour. Cow. So um, it's it's kind of scripted because there's about 15 slides and my uh-huh. fellow facilitator and I have to um, riff back and forth a little bit. But what makes it more challenging is that it's teaching mostly hourly but some salary salary like blue collar machinist people in maine mm-hmm. about diversity and inclusion right um oh piece of cake so sometimes you know you get yeah. questions like this scenario says i can't make a racial joke at work but what if i make it about my own race <laughs> right right this so like but yeah. but i have to 
you know, on the fly field these questions. Um, yeah, that's intense. Or like my, you know, my, my manager, you know, calls me sweet cheeks, but no one, he doesn't call anybody else that. Is that okay? No. <laughs> and I'm like, no. See me after <laughs> class. Um, so uh, that's helping though. It's helping me develop yeah, um, a bit of a sure. voice and more so that I have to, I can't skip a beat because people will throw curveballs at me on purpose. Well, they're right. looking for weakness. They are. They really are. And not like because it's some, you know, honor, like chivalry that I'm doing like an HR ethics training and like I'm a corporate salad. I get that. But like total setup. But it's it's just being put on the spot in that way by a room full of people. Right. I think you quickly have to just be able to pivot. So hopefully that helps me here. Yeah. I cool. think it has a lot to do with the fact that you were an RA. Ugh, it takes one to know one. That's true. <laughs> That's true. But I was a cool RA. Yeah. Yeah. Every single time she's ever told anyone <laughs> that I'm an RA, she follows it up. I say you were too. And she goes, yeah, but I was a cool one as, you know, implying clearly I was not, which I wasn't. But. You were a little bit more. By well, the you both seem pretty cool. Uh, that's that's nice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'm cool. <laughs> what? I think you're cool. Uh, I don't know. Really? I think, I think you're very cool. I think I like I'm kind of nerdy and like that's sometimes. cool. Yeah. I, I mean, but like I'm not super nerdy that like <laughs> <laughs> that I'm like super into like traditionally nerdy things like Nick freaked out the other day because I was like, what's that? Oh. Uh, <laughs> do you know what I'm gonna she say? She said, "What's the the guy with the <laughs> with the ears from Star Wars that does like the hand thing?" Brianna, I'm sorry, I don't watch like I said. I don't really watch TV to be honest, and I'm not into movies. Mo- Captain, you're not into movies or TV. Captain, <laughs> Captain Spock like, from I, Star I Trek. Don't. Yeah, um, he watches yeah. so many movies. He'll be like, "Have you seen this?" I'm like, "No." Yeah, like Commander Spock. Yeah. Sorry to all the fans out there. I don't watch Star Wars or Star Trek. Okay. Well, let's move on. Okay. Um. <laughs> um, cool. So Nick is going to read a story now that I wrote for him yesterday. So forgive any typos, Nick, as you're reading. Um, we'll work through them together. It's a little bit different. It's called Camp Laurel. And let me tell you the inspiration for it. Mm-hmm. So essentially, if like maybe a week ago, you know, when you're like just living your life and a random memory is like thrown out your brain. Hmm. So I what that's like. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened to me and I was like at work and I had this random memory of, which actually is a memory that comes to mind sometimes, but mm-hmm. of this, like one time I went to girl scout camp at camp Laurel and I don't even, I think it might've been overnight, but I have like these very vivid memories from like very certain things there but I think I only went there once like for one overnight like one night one weekend or something like it was a very short stay but it resonated with me so I decided to look up the camp it's in Connecticut I think I might have done that too yeah I'm having a weird memory flashback right now it's like near where we like one time yeah isn't it like Griswold or something it's like in a state park or something right yeah it's not I looked up which town it was in but yeah, it's like close. But Girl Scouts go to yeah. it, right? Yep. I remember it. that was like my first like outdoor experience. Yeah. And it was weird. Like, yeah, it to was me, weird. Growing up, I was I don't really remember a lot about it. I just remember being a weird vibe. Mm-hmm. And I remember being on these under these particular trees that now yes. that I think about it are not very tall and like kind of a field. Yeah. Like now looking back on it, it had to be like a campsite or something. Yeah. But yeah, that's so weird. I remember the cabin. Up. There was like these cabins that were like 
like army tents they looked like yeah they're not like real right like, traditional like, yeah. camping tents they weren't like cabins they were tents like mm-hmm. but had like these like beige tarps and cots in them and i remember there was like some kind of little fox thing that we hid and had to find i don't remember that and so anyway <laughs> that that that's kind of like my memory and so yeah, yeah, yeah. this story evolved a lot from that because i essentially was trying to look up like weird cult like things that have happened at camps Mm -hmm. or like whatever like for kids and this is like not you'll see as you're reading yeah so it's not like based on my experience there i think i probably had a lovely time there for the most part this is not based on that i was not abused at this camp i'm just putting all that out there now (laughs) is this story called find the fox no it's called camp laurel but i could write a follow-up part is it called fox in the hen house yeah camp laurel two find Find the fox (laughs) in the hen house yeah, Camp Laurel 3. It's it was awesome. in the head house all along. <laughs> um, okay, so without further ado, because it is a little bit of a doozy of a story, mm. Nick? I'm excited. I hand, I hand the floor to you. Camp Laurel, written by Abigail Branker, read by Nick Singarella. Amanda's mother's car slowed as it turned down the dirt road leading up to the camp. She felt the tires as they passed over rocks and roots. Tree branches from either side of the road tangled above them, creating a dark canopy. They passed some semi-permanent-looking tents with green rain tarps hanging above them. The undergrowth in the forest had congealed with the tent frames, making them look weirdly abandoned. This looks dirty. Her mom found her daughter's eyes in the rearview mirror. That isn't nice. This is a treat. Not every kid gets to go to summer camp. Amanda rolled her eyes and slumped further into her seat. She hated other kids. She felt awkward around them. Her mom softened. Listen, I know this isn't your thing, but I think it's going to be really great in the end. If you can just try it out, really give it a try. If you truly hate it, give me a call. But I think if you can survive the week here, you will leave with lifelong friends. The car came to a stop and Amanda slammed her door a little too hard. She gave her mom an apologetic look. Amanda's mom almost looked like she was going to cry. Amanda knew she wouldn't shed a tear in front of her, though. She gave her a quick squeeze and a kiss on her forehead. In a blur, her mom's car was rolling away from her, and one of the counselors was checking her in. Amanda, we are so excited to have you joining us this year. We have the best time at camp. Amanda nodded. She wasn't convinced. The counselor went on. Your cabin is just this way. It's actually a really good group of girls. Amanda looked around and noticed she was surrounded by women. All the campers and counselors seemed to be women, except one man. He was greeting people in the distance. He wore a cowboy hat. She couldn't make out his facial features from where she stood. Are there boys here, too? Oh, goodness, of course not. The counselor looked shocked at her question. Amanda, do you think it would be appropriate for us to have a summer camp with boys and girls together? No. It's very important to keep little girls separated. In the name of the Lord. The counselor looked up and made some sort of gesture at the sky. Amanda thought she was weird. Well, then why is he here? Amanda gestured at the man. Oh, well, that's Mr. O'Reilly. He runs this camp. He's just the absolute best. He has such a special relationship with God. He has helped me so much on my spiritual journey. Amanda couldn't pinpoint why, but she felt weird. This way to your cabin. The inside of the cabin smelled musty. It was totally wooden. Five cots lined the west side of the structure, and five more cots lined the east side. It looked like the back wall of the cabin was missing, creating what felt like a back porch looking out into the woods. 
Everything felt damp. Nine girls were already buzzing around the space. They stopped and looked up at Amanda as she entered. A hush fell over them. Amanda knew what was coming next. She'd never fit in well. Girls, I want to introduce you to Amanda. This is Amanda's first year. Please make her feel extra welcome. And with that, the counselor turned on her heel and left the tent. Amanda scanned the cots, trying to find which was unclaimed. But the other girls had scattered their belongings everywhere, making it impossible to tell. A moment passed. Hey, Amanda, you can come and sleep next to me. This one is free. Relieved, Amanda made her way towards a girl with red pigtails. She dumped her duffel bag onto the bed. I'm Annie. Hi, Annie. I'm Amanda. The girl shook hands in a gesture that seemed far too mature for their ages. So you've been here before? Amanda asked, relieved to have found a friend. Yeah, it's so wonderful. I love coming here to deepen my connection to God. Oh, do you believe in God? Another hush seemed to fill the tent. Of course, don't you? Annie looked at Amanda expectedly, and so did every single girl in the tent. Amanda knew she was on the verge of isolation again. She was used to making conversations awkward, to not fitting in. She pulled a Hail Mary. Oh, oh, of course I do. Oh yeah, my mom and I talk about God and stuff and all the time. I was just making sure you did too. Annie looked placated. The other girls returned to their tasks. Amanda sat on her cot and tried to remember a time when her mom had ever even brought up God. They celebrated Christmas, so she figured they must be religious after all. However, Amanda was fairly sure that her mom had not intentionally sent her to her daughter to a God camp. A bell started to ring outside. Oh, it's time for opening ceremonies. What's that? Annie grabbed Amanda's hand. Come on, it's so fun. The girls ran outside and spilled onto an open field. Girls from other cabins were also moving towards the sound of the bell. Amanda looked forward. She could see the man in the cowboy hat standing under a huge wooden cross. It must have been six times taller than he was. Gather, my children. Gather, children of God. Amanda jumped. His voice echoed over a loudspeaker, making it feel like he was surrounding them. The girls reached the cross. They filed around him creating a circle. He turned to address them all as he spoke. Welcome, day one of camp. What a true blessing and honor that we get to sit here together and worship the Lord. The girls erupted into applause. Amanda caught on and followed suit. Now it's all fun and games, right? This is camp, right? O'Reilly said. Amanda saw Annie was shaking her head. No, O'Reilly's voice boomed out of the loudspeaker, so loud it made Amanda jump. God is not about fun and games, he went on. God is about purity and justice and morality. We are here to give ourselves to him. We are here to worship him. We are not here to sing around a campfire. Annie nodded. Amanda was ready to go home. So let's remember during our stay here, just how much Jesus sacrificed for us, just how much the great Lord provides for us and how many people out there aren't worthy of his love. But we are, we are the chosen. And with that comes great responsibility we must fight for God. We are his warriors. The girls erupted into applause again. Amanda was terrified. Her hands shook as she brought them together, trying to blend in. After about an hour of prayer, where none of the other girls seemed to be bored or confused except Amanda, they were released to go back into their cabins. Though O'Reilly, who the other girls referred to as the Holy One, had tasked them all with making a list of their sins to share at dinner. Amanda was horrified. She did not want to make a list of things she was ashamed of, and she certainly did not want to read that list to a group of strangers. Do you think everyone will listen? Amanda asked Annie. 
They were back in the cabin, and Annie was laying down in her cot, writing what looked to be a very thorough list. Oh, I hope so. Shame is the only true way to repent. That's what the Holy One tells us. And my dad. I don't want anyone to listen. Amanda looked down at her blank sheet of paper. If you aren't punished, how will you learn? Amanda remained silent, thinking what she would write down and thinking about how to get to a phone. She knew it was really important to her mom that she make friends and give it a shot. But she also knew that her mom would never send her to a religious camp, especially not this religious. A scream broke through the air. Amanda looked up at Annie. What was that? Annie didn't look up. You should be writing. It won't be good if you show up without anything written down. Trust me. What does that mean? Amanda asked. Annie just kept writing. The girls walked back out into the open field. This time the darkness was starting to fall. Pink and purple twilight streaked the sky around them. Amanda clutched her paper. It was rolled up in her hand. She felt clammy and hot, even though it was cool outside. Her stomach gurgled. They hadn't eaten since they arrived, but she was too nervous to be hungry. They entered the mess hall, and the smell of food hit her nostrils. The hall was huge. It looked like hundreds of picnic tables were assembled. O'Reilly was holding court in the center, a line forming towards him. Amanda craned her neck to see what was going on. He was listening to each girl as she read out her sins, and then he'd touch her forehead with his. Only then were the girls allowed to get food. I'm nervous, she whispered to Annie. Annie looked at her. Why be nervous? God knows all already. You're only owning up to it. Amanda nodded. There were about ten girls left between her and her confession. She could see an especially young girl up there, reading from her paper. She looked so confident, until O'Reilly swooped down upon her. He looked like a predator as he ripped the paper from her hands. You're lying, he screamed at her. She burst into tears. No, no, I'm not. Get her out of my sight, he bellowed. A few counselors hurried towards the girl and shepherded her to a back room. Where are they taking her? Annie looked nervous. Just kind of like a timeout. She, she lied to the Holy One, and that's an incredible sin. She will need to be punished. How did he know she was lying? Asked Amanda. God tells him. Amanda looked down at her list. She hoped God didn't rat her out too. Annie was up. She confidently stood in front of O'Reilly, as if he were her teacher. Oh, Holy One, what an honor to confess my sins to you. What a blessing for a chance of your absolution. The man seemed to be impressed with her vigor. She went on. I'm trying so hard to be pure and moral, to follow the teachings of the Bible without complaint. However, I do have a confession. About a month ago at school, a boy my age asked me out. I of course said no. However, I must examine what I put out into the world to make him think he could ask me in the first place. Ever since, I've only worn long sleeves and pants. O'Reilly nodded. Very well. We will need to work on that, Miss Annie. I bet there is more to your wiles than just clothing. I wonder what else you need to change. Of course, of course, Annie bowed her head. Amanda was confused. Annie looked to be about 12 years old. Dating was for older people. At their age, going out with someone just meant writing notes and holding hands. Maybe a kiss behind the slide at recess? It was all harmless. Annie hadn't done anything wrong. O'Reilly put his forehead against hers and sent her on her way. Amanda was up. O'Reilly met her eyes and a sharp pain filled her. She did not like this man. She felt it in her bones. She took a step forward. You are new to me, young one. What is your name? Uh, Amanda Michael. Welcome, Amanda Michael. I am looking forward to your spiritual growth here at Camp Laurel. I see you have befriended Annie. She is a very worthy guide for you. You are lucky. Amanda mustered a fake smile. She wondered if God would tell O'Reilly that she was faking. He didn't seem to. She went on. Well, this is my first time confessing, 
So I hope this is what you're looking for. Her hands were shaking. O'Reilly looked at her expectantly. So earlier this year, my dad left. My mom's been working a few jobs, so sometimes when she isn't home, I find the rated R DVDs that she's hidden in her room, and I watch them. O'Reilly leaned in closer to Amanda. Now, Amanda, this is really interesting. You're looking at this all wrong. I see truly how much work is ahead of you, if you want to earn God's love. What you should be asking is what did you do to make your dad leave in the first place? What? I I didn't do anything. I mean, he and my mom just, well, it wasn't my fault. That may be what your parents are telling you, but it's never the man's fault, my dear. It is the job of women to serve men. It is your duty, no matter how young, to service men. This is your fault. No. Yes, the man roared at her. Amanda shrunk back, terrified. Bring her to my office, he said to one of the counselors. She needs special attention. But I haven't had dinner yet. Amanda was feeling desperate. She knew that she did not want to end up in that man's office. You can eat when you deserve to eat. A firm hand gripped Amanda by the shoulder and ushered her along. She tried to find Annie in the crowd, but she couldn't see her red hair. The counselors slung her into a room. There was a large mahogany desk in the center with two chairs in front of it. Besides the many paintings of Christ on a crucifix that lined the walls, the room was empty. Amanda sprang forward as soon as the counselor shut and locked the door. She was looking for a phone. One didn't appear on the desk, but she wondered if he had a cell phone in a drawer somewhere. She started to pull at the desk drawers. Most were locked. Finally, one slid open easily, and there was a phone inside. Amanda looked up to the ceiling. Maybe there was a God after all, and maybe he was on her side. She pulled out the phone and dialed her mom's number. It went right to voicemail. She wondered if her phone was just dead or if her mom had been able to pay the bill that month. This is Tori Michael. Leave a message. Mom, please. I promise it's not that I'm not trying to make friends. Something is wrong here. Snap. O'Reilly pulled the phone out of her hand and slammed the drawer closed. Amanda let out a scream. She hadn't noticed him come in. Oh my God, she breathed. You dare to take the Lord's name in vain? After you've been brought in here as punishment and still have the audacity to look through my personal drawers? How dare you? Amanda started to back away from the man, but he was too fast. He grabbed her arm so hard she cried out. You're hurting me, she started to cry. Over the noise of her sobs, she started to hear something familiar. It couldn't be, but she thought she heard her mother's voice. Amanda started to scream, Mom! Mom! Please help me! O'Reilly froze. A minute later, the door to the office burst open. Her mother shoved past several counselors. She knocked one to the floor on the way to her daughter. Let go of my daughter now! Her voice was shrill as she rounded on O'Reilly. Parents aren't supposed to... I don't give a fuck what you think parents are or are not supposed to do. This is my fucking child and you will take your hands off her right this instant. Amanda felt the grip on her arm release. She ran to her mother, who immediately marched her out of the mess hall. O'Reilly was trailing them, but he was keeping his distance. In the parking lot, he yelled out, You're making a huge mistake taking her away from God. Get in the car, Amanda. Her mom was livid. Now! Amanda hurried into the back seat and instinctually clicked in her seatbelt. She heard her mom yell at O'Reilly from outside the car, Rotten hell! before climbing in and starting the car. After they had put a few miles between them and the monster, Amanda leaned forward. Mom, how did you get here so quickly? What do you mean? I had only just left the message. Oh, honey, I didn't know you called. I had such an awful feeling ever since I dropped you off. I knew something was wrong. 
When I came back to check on you and saw the giant cross in the field, I knew this wasn't the camp for you. I'm so sorry, Amanda. I was... I didn't research enough. I would never send you to a place like this on purpose. I hope you can forgive me. Of course, Mom. They drove on, back to the world of the sane. What did you guys think? I thought, first of all, I thought Nick did a wonderful job breeding. I'd say. It's the first time I've ever done something like that. That was incredible. That was awesome. I think Brianna might have just fallen in love with me again. I like. That I think look. I might have. I think I'm we like, all did. Oh. <laughs> Maybe this is the Nick fan club. Yeah. Um. Wow. So many emotions. I felt like a roller coaster, an emotional roller coaster, going through this story. Yeah. And to Abby's point earlier, I think this story too, like all of our perspectives might be really different, like where we're coming from, like oh, where yeah. we shared at the beginning of the episode. So, like, as someone who's never been a part of a religion before, specifically. Yeah. Um, I hear this and I'm like, well, of course you wouldn't want to go to like a freaky Jesus camp. But like <laughs> all those other kids are there, right? Like their parents probably thought it was an OK idea. Yeah. I, I was waiting for the supernatural element to show up. Nope. Not in this one. Not in this Just one. Just a real life horror. I thought she was going to pray and Baphomet would show up and save her. But nope. Nope. Just her mom. Just her mom. Yeah. Super badass. What she- did you think, Alan? I, I was super engaged. Mm-hmm. I thought this was grade A storytelling. Oh, thanks. Um, it, had, it had a wonderful arc, and I was left guessing right until the end. This was a, like a very uh, rear window situation where the, like, the twist is that the, you know, there is no twist. Mm. Right. Just sure. terrifying the whole time. And, and no pun intended, but um, I was hoping there wasn't you know, a deus ex machina, that there wasn't like a... you know. Yeah. They came and arrested everybody or burned the camp down. <laughs> or, right. I, I was happy that the, the way that it ended was natural. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool. Well, thank you for reading. That was very fun to hear. That was great. Totally. Awesome. Well, you guys, thank you again so much for being here and for reading and participating and sharing your words with us. Um, and thank everybody for listening. We're so excited to be able to keep doing this and to kind of like keep finding our footing as we go. Um, so if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at Films About Lunatics. Uh, we are also Films About Lunatics on YouTube, on Etsy, on Patreon, essentially everywhere. The whole shebang. The whole shebang. Um, obviously, feel free to subscribe to this podcast if you like it and you want some more content similar to this. Um, and yeah, is there anything you guys want to plug? Are you promoting anything? No, no, <laughs> no. But um, I, I would just say in general, the 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 model where, um, you know, it's it's a Patreon type of of atmosphere, right? Where if you like the content, um, contribute to it, because I think that's the future of, of good content. Mm-hmm. Mm, for sure. Yeah, I, I was hoping you're going to plug your personal Jesus camp, but that's <laughs> I mean, if I could set us. up a Patreon with it, then absolutely. Um, that's <laughs> www. Yeah. Jesuscamp.com. No, yeah. probably no, don't no, go there. That, don't, don't go, go there. there. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm certain that's taken. Yeah. It does not exist. OK, well, thank you guys again. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Did you cut it? No. Cut it. Cutting. Cut. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon to access our patron-exclusive podcast, Horror Movie Club.
Also head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel. You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more. And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there. Our cover art is by Pilar Kep, and musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser.